What is a sneaker icon? We're going to get into that this week on Fire Footwear. Welcome back to Fire Footwear, everybody. As always, this is your host, Matt Freitz, and I thank you for tuning in. I hope that this finds you well. I'm happy that you are here, as always, as we have had a great time this past week with this show, getting to know some of the new listeners and viewers. So I thank you for being here in whatever capacity it is that you are here. Sneaker icons. What exactly does that mean? In today's society, I feel like we throw around hyperbole a lot. If you go on social media or just about anywhere on television, you're going to find hyperbolic language everywhere. And the reality of it is, is that that's how things sell. Even in the sneaker world, hyperbole and using this hyperbolic language is what is going to get people to go and flock to these shoes, these brands, everything. It's just the nature and the reality of where we are in life. And I've noticed that with the advent of social media, that there has been this sort of rise of how we define who is an icon. And it doesn't matter whether it's sneakers, sports, whatever. We like to throw a lot of these adjectives and give a lot of these names to a lot of people who have done something nice within a specific community. Whether that's design a nice shoe, hit a lot of home runs, or do something akin to whatever it is that you do or whatever field that you are in, I feel like too many times we give or heap too much praise on people and we lose perspective of our place and their place within the culture of itself. And let's take sneakers for example. We tend to put a lot of emphasis on the idea of a sneaker icon because I believe today that the sneaker world is so large and is so hype that many, many people are looking to define who are the greatest people in the culture. As I said, with the advent of the internet and social media, we're constantly trying to one-up each other and we're constantly trying to make sure that we are adding this definition as to who is great and what makes something great. And as an extension, this show and this particular episode and trying to define a sneaker icon is probably trafficking in that or trying to do that. But really the idea is for us to think about this, and I say us as the Fire Footwear community, is to really think about what is an icon. Who are people that we should look up to in the sneaker world? If you think about the definition of an icon, it's something that is widely popular. Well, obviously, sneakers are widely popular, and you could make the argument that sneakers themselves are an icon in popular culture today. I think that that's not really that much of a stretch to say. But also, being part of an icon is having great influence or significance in a specific space. And that's where if we look at some of the people who have worked on sneakers over the past 40 plus years, I think we're going to find that there are many icons in this, but not every single person who has done something great is an icon. Why do I bring this up today? Well, I think that today, many people who are very big into the culture, and I've said this before, that this bell curve is a lot more skewed toward younger people than it ever has been. As I get older, and as people who have been OGs in this game continue to get older, I'm talking about people who are in their late 40s, possibly even early to mid 50s, the history that they remember and the people that they remember as they were coming up in the culture are being forgotten by the people that are coming up behind us in the culture. That's just the way that things are going to work. If you go into the sports world and you ask any NFL fan about players that played in the 50s, 60s, or 70s, a vast majority of young viewers and young fans aren't going to have a clue who that is. 
And why should we expect the young people in sneaker culture to know every single person that came before Travis Scott? Maybe it's an unrealistic expectation, but that's part of why I do this show, because I believe and have always believed that it's extremely important to remember where you came from, to always be able to look at the past and be able to apply what has happened in the past to where we are today. Because in many facets of the sneaker game, we would not be where we are without many of the icons that came before the people that I think are widely associated as sneaker icons today. Let's take a guy like Travis Scott, for instance, and I use him because I think today he's probably one of the most popular names in sneakers. Yes, there have been many people that have had really great collaborations and done some things over the last few years, but I think ever since that Travis Scott won Mocha, that's almost kind of the litmus test for a lot of people who enter into the sneaker game. Can you make something as hype as that? Can you make something as coveted as that? And I use the rep market a lot as a litmus test for this also, because if you go to the rep market today, people are still buying the Travis Scott One Mochas, and they just are going to continue to do it because it's a great shoe. There's still heavy demand for it, and the rep market, as long as they continue to make it, that's how you know that it's still popular today. And so I think that that is a good bar to set in terms of if you're coming in and creating a new sneaker or a new colorway, how does it compare to the Travis Scott One Mocha? And while Travis Scott has done many things influential, you could ask the question, is he a true icon in the sneaker game? Hot take, my answer to that is no. If you think about the actual definition of an icon, is it popular? Absolutely. Travis Scott and the Travis Scott One Mocha and a lot of the colorways and silhouettes that he has worked with have been immensely popular. Are they immensely popular because they are objectively great? Some of them are. I think you can make the argument that some of them are. Or are they popular because of resale culture? Let's say that GOAT and StockX didn't exist and that resale culture the way that we know it today doesn't exist. There's always going to be scalping and there's always going to be collectors who are looking to trade or buy for the shoes that are not in their collection. I'm talking about today's resale culture where people are trying to cop shoes at retail so they can turn around and flip it for a profit. Let's assume that that does not exist. What Travis Scott has created outside of the Travis Scott one, does any of that become as hype and as popular as they are, if not for resale culture? To an extent, his popularity in the hip hop world would probably lend itself to popularity with his shoes, but that to me is a much more smaller market. I think there's much more of a niche market for Travis Scott fans when it comes to the merchandise that he produces that is related to the albums that he does. Travis Scott has made himself almost an icon in sneakers today, not quite an icon, but almost an icon because of the popularity that he has brought to sneaker culture. But I truly believe that if you're putting him up in the pantheon of sneaker people, I don't think that he holds a candle to a lot of the people that came before him. I don't think he's doing much that is very innovative. The reverse swoosh is not that innovative. As a matter of fact, if you go back in history, Dennis Rodman was employing that a long time ago and they're gonna be re-releasing some of those, and you're gonna see a reverse swoosh. Many people who have no clue who Dennis Rodman is or what Dennis Rodman was all about as an NBA player are gonna think that he is copying Travis Scott, and that's where this episode comes in. And so my hot take was not to disparage Travis Scott or anything, but it's to use the guy who is mostly known for popularity in sneakers today and put him up against a lot of other people that have come before him. Now, I think it's very important to understand that we are not going to be able to get to every single person that has had some semblance of influence on the sneaker game over the last 40-something years. 
but I went to the internet and tried to find some of the people and look at lists that have been compiled to look at the names and say, these are the people that subjectively to me have been very influential. And so what I've done is given a list of people and I want to give them to you as food for thought, especially if you are somebody who's young who listens to this. I believe that if you're listening to this show, that at this point in time, you have started to listen and continue to listen because you appreciate my opinion. And as you know, my opinion is not going to be just placating to whatever the most popular thing is. So if you're listening to this and I'm giving you these lists of names, I would like to think that as a young person listening, you're gonna appreciate the names that I'm gonna give you. And hopefully, this is the goal, is that you're gonna go back and look some of these people up because I think that they're very important to remember because a vast majority of these people are not really big in the game as we know it today. They have long since passed the torch to other people that you definitely know. Travis Scott is a great example of this. And so while Travis Scott is not himself, in my opinion, an icon, these people are. And at the end of this, I'm going to give you my Mount Rushmore of sneaker icons. Let's start with Eddie Cruz and James Bond. And those are the creators of Undefeated. And Undefeated today, and I said this a couple of episodes ago, doesn't have the same pull in the market that they used to. But man, back in the day, Undefeated was the best of the best when it came to sneaker boutiques. And, and this is why I think that they're influencers, not necessarily icons, the Undefeated 4, which was a sample, I believe they only made 78 of them, is still one of the most coveted sneakers of all time. It's one of the most expensive sneakers of all time. And all it was was a Jordan 4 that they basically made samples of and made for friends and family. And so you could say that even though Undefeated itself maybe isn't as much of an influence today, certainly back in the day, a lot of the influence that it had and a lot of the hype that it created have led to a lot of what we know today for a lot of boutiques that are going to be on this list. And another one is Union LA. Now, Union has been around since the 90s, but I think you can make the argument that their popularity has increased exponentially due to their Jordan 1 collaborations over the last few years and plus all the other collaborations that they've had. Very successful releases, very hyped releases, and very great collaborations, I think, have led to their popularity. But without Union and without Undefeated, a lot of these other boutiques that we know maybe aren't existing. And another one is the Whitner Group, and that is, of course, Ama Manier. Now, Ama Manier has had a great run of shoes lately, we all know this. They're going to be coming out with a Jordan 5 very, very shortly. But if not for a lot of these other boutiques like Undefeated, like Union, now Union has continued to pass the torch. Now Union has continued to carry the torch to an extent. But if not for them laying the groundwork and the foundation way, way back, I don't think that we know anything about Ama Manier today. And that's why they're considered very influential and possible icons in the sneaker game. Although I would say that they are not icons, but they have come before and laid a lot of this groundwork. Let's take a guy like DJ Clark Kent. Now today, we know a lot of rappers and a lot of hip hoppers and celebrities who are doing collaborations with Nike and Jordan brand, but DJ Clark Kent was one of the first to be able to have a collaboration to work with Nike and have that be a worldwide release. That was a big deal back then. It opened a lot of doors for a lot of musicians. Now Jay-Z is on a lot of lists, and if not for DJ Clark Kent, is a guy like Jay-Z gonna be out there? Is a guy like Nelly gonna be associated? Even Travis Scott to an extent. So that's why I think DJ Clark Kent is very important. He hasn't been a massive part of the game for a long time, but if you go to GOAT or StockX and just type in DJ Clark Kent, you're gonna see some excellent shoes. You're gonna see some very expensive shoes because they are collector's pieces now, but they laid the groundwork and opened doors for a lot of other people that have been very popular in the sneaker game today. How about a guy like Don C? 
with that Jordan 2 collaboration, obviously known for other things. But Don C became a personality that everybody knew because of the collaborations that he did. And without his influence, we may not see some of the silhouettes that we have. The Jordan 312, there was a Just Don colorway that I actually owned downstairs. We don't see that without Don C. So that's a very influential person that maybe today isn't as big in the game unless you've been in the game for a long time or done your historical research. Even if you look at other places like Hiroshi Fujiwara, obviously the Jordan 1 fragment is one of, again, the most coveted shoes of all time. It's certainly one of the most mysterious Jordan 1s of all time. I've never quite understood the hype. It's actually very highly rep for a shoe that you don't see very, very often out in the wild, but he was obviously hugely influential. And even though they haven't done a ton of collaborations, look what happened with the Travis Scott and Fragment collaborations. They didn't do a lot of those. They sold out like crazy. They're a hype shoe and they're very rep shoe. And obviously those two combining their powers became a super popular shoe, a super rare and exclusive shoe. And today that's what sells. But without his previous experience and influence on the market, would that Travis Scott sell? Probably not because Travis Scott himself may not have been able to carry something so rare. But the combination of the two was able to do that. Some other names that are probably associated with sneakers, but maybe we don't hear too much. Nico, who obviously created Bape, a bathing ape. Now that's a company that has really made its stamp because they have basically stolen a silhouette from Nike, but they've been able to do business for a long, long time. And they have established themselves as one of the most notable brands of streetwear brands out there. And even though today they continue to just do what they've always done, their collaborations sell. They're Air Force Ones, that's basically what they are, they sell, and they always are going to sell. The Kanye College Dropout Bapes, those are some of the most coveted shoes of all time, and that was a long time ago. So Bape obviously has been very influential, and that has laid the groundwork for other places like Stussy, other places like Supreme, which is on this list. There's a lot of collaborators and a lot of streetwear brands that have been able to get in the game because of these early people adopting these streetwear brands like Bape and like Supreme. And I think that that is very important because again, today, Supreme, they sell out every time they do a sneaker collaboration. Why though? Because of the groundwork that they laid before, because of the hard work and sweat equity that people put into the game so long ago before today's hype train. It was all about getting themselves into the culture because the culture meant something to them. And that's what a lot of these people that I've talked about have in common. And that brings me to the end. What is the Mount Rushmore of sneaker icons? Now this is purely subjective. And you could probably think of some of the names that are on this list because of the people that I've not talked about. But I said this before, you're not gonna be able to talk about everybody. I encourage you to go and look up people who have been influential. One of the articles that I saw was from 2012 and it was Jeff Staple who actually talked about the most influential people up till that point. Jeff Staple should be on that list. To me, Jeff Staple is an icon. The reason why Jeff Staple is an icon is because the pigeon dunk changed everything. It outed sneaker culture to the world, to the mainstream news. People reading that newspaper at that point in time in 2004, I can already see it. Some middle-aged dad, very much like my father at that time in his mid-40s, picking up his newspaper with his coffee, seeing an article on the front page of the New York Post about a shoe. Hey, hun, you see these sneakers that these young kids are going after? Because of that, they knew sneaker culture existed. Before, it was sort of a niche market. And because of Jeff Staple, it existed. So I implore you to go look up some of these lists. Look up some of these names. Go back and do your homework, do your research, because it's very important to where we are today. And for me, that's always going to be very important. 
So let's get to this Mount Rushmore. So whenever we say a Mount Rushmore, what we mean is our top four favorite of whatever it is. It's like the pantheon, the pinnacle of what you're talking about. If it's the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, the Mount Rushmore of food, the Mount Rushmore of sneakers, whatever, it means that these are your four favorite of whatever it is that you are trying to quantify. And so this is in no particular order, although I should give it in some particular order, my Mount Rushmore of sneakers. Let's start with number four. I'm gonna put Virgil Abloh on there. And yes, you might be thinking, well, does it make a difference because he's passed away? It kind of does to an extent. But what Virgil did changed everything about how we looked at sneakers. What he ended up doing for the sneaker market was taking an artistic approach and putting it on a shoe. We knew what the Jordan 1 was. All of the silhouettes in the 10 series, we knew what they were. But it was the first time, in my opinion, that we had gotten a true, fresh take on the silhouettes, an artistic take on the silhouettes. You took high fashion and you took Jordan brand and you put them together in a way that spoke to sneaker culture. That's not easy to do because an artistic piece or for purely artistic value is really hard to sell to sneaker culture. There's money to be made and that's always going to sell. But from a purely aesthetic standpoint, that's a really, really difficult thing to sell. And not everybody is able to see the value but Virgil was able to do that, and it was an amazing thing. Now, in the afterlife, he is still having an influence. You're still seeing Off-White be released. You're still seeing people try to carry that legacy on. That, to me, is a true icon. He changed the way we thought about it. He changed the way resale worked. He changed everything, and his death didn't stop that legacy. It still continues on today, and so for that, he's on my Mount Rushmore because I think that he truly changed the game in a way that it had never been changed before. My third guy on the list is kind of controversial, but you cannot in any way discount what he has done for sneaker culture. Even though his recent actions have really tarnished his legacy to an extent, his legacy will always be there whether you like it or not. And the number three on my Mount Rushmore is Kanye West. Kanye West deserves to be there for many, many reasons, but the thing in my mind that sets him apart is being able to go away from Nike and everything that he had been successful with there, the Yeezy 1 and Yeezy 2 silhouettes blew sneaker culture out of the water. They just blew everybody's mind. The Red October is one of the most mysterious releases of all time with just a tweet and a sellout, and that's it, after he had left the company. Once Kanye left the company, he changed everything by creating the Yeezy brand with Adidas. And the silhouettes that started coming out it became the firm number two competitor to Jordan brand. And at certain points in time, over the last decade or so, it has surpassed them in some way. The Yeezy 700, the Yeezy 350, these are two of the most popular silhouettes of all time. And no matter how you feel about Kanye, he was directly responsible for that. And he is directly responsible for the idea that you just put out as many of these as possible so that people can have them. Today, that saturates the sneaker market. And if you look at all the 350s that have come out, a lot of very, very similar colorways. But guess what? They all sold and people still love to wear them. To me, that is an icon. His influence is still felt today. And even designs that come out today still give you the Yeezy vibe. Hell, Adidas was going to continue to sell Yeezys without the Yeezy brand. That's how influential that brand was. And to me, I think that sets him apart. If he doesn't do that and he stays with Nike the whole time, I don't think he's as influential. To me, he's no different than Travis Scott. But if you take what he did at Nike and couple it with creating a brand new competitor to Jordan in Yeezy, 
That's amazing to me. And no matter what Kanye West does from here on out, he will be cemented as one of the most influential people, icons and sneakers of all time. And for that, he is on my Mount Rushmore. Number two, a lot of people will have this person number one, but I believe that this person is number two and it doesn't diminish his influence in any way. And that is Tinker Hatfield. To me, this is an obvious inclusion on any list. If I see a list of most influential sneaker people or sneaker icons and I don't see Tinker Hatfield on the list, I just assume that you don't appreciate and know anything about any of the sneaker history. Tinker Hatfield single-handedly, arguably, saved Jordan brand with the Jordan 3. In an episode that I did about Air Maxes, I told you that before that, he had helped save Nike in some ways because he created the Air Max and then they gave him the opportunity because of that success to work on something for Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, after the Jordan 2, was going to leave the brand, and he created the Jordan 3 by asking Michael, what do you want in a shoe, and wowing him to the point that Michael decided he was going to stay. And Jordan Brand, from then on, decided to have Michael be really a part of the experience of making Jordans from here on out. And with the Jordan 11, he further cemented his legacy. The list of shoes that Tinker Hatfield has been a part of is endless, his influence is almost second to none in terms of designers, and everything that he has done, barring a few things, have been almost all gold. He's had such an influence today, a lot of the silhouettes that he designed are still being worn today, colorways are still being created in mass for these silhouettes. You can't deny that Tinker Hatfield is one of the most important people to what sneaker culture is today, to the point that whatever he does now in his old age, people still flock to it. Social media posts about it. It means something. Think about that for a second. Think about people who are old and have been in a culture, whatever it is, for that long. Most of the time, their popularity fades. Tinker Hatfield has not faded, and I don't think it will ever fade until he leaves this earth. So how could he not be under Mount Rushmore? So Tinker Hatfield is there because of him. A lot of this doesn't happen the way that it happens. And that leads me to the number one. Maybe this is obvious, but like I said, a lot of people would have Tinker Hatfield as their number one. Michael Jordan, and I'm gonna even extend this to Peter Moore, are number one. The Jordan one changed a lot of things about the world. It changed a lot of things in how athletes and shoes and endorsements happen. It changed everything about basketball fashion. It changed everything about the way that shoe companies went about making shoes for their athletes. And because of that moment, we are where we are in sneaker culture today. If Michael Jordan never signs with Nike, I'm not sure we actually get here because I think what would have happened is he would have been just another cog in the machine, the way that Magic Johnson was, the way that Larry Bird was, and all of the athletes and basketball players that had come before him. But because of what happened at Nike during that time period, to take what they did with the Jordan 1, and make Jordan brand and Nike what it is today, it took Nike to levels that it never would have been had Michael Jordan not signed. And because of all of that, every domino has fallen since then to create what we know as sneaker culture today, to where every single week we get releases, every single week people are gobbling up these shoes for one reason or another, and the popularity of sneakers has never been higher. People that you would never associate wearing sneakers are wearing them now. It's part of our culture. It's woven into the fabric of popular culture in a way that I don't know when it's ever going to end. And if Michael Jordan doesn't sign on the dotted line for Nike that day, none of this happens. And Michael Jordan still has influence, even though young people maybe don't remember what he did on the court. They know him for his shoes. 
every time he wears something, a new silhouette maybe, he ends up moving the needle. It's just the way that it is. And Michael Jordan, to me, is the reason why we're all here. And he is number one on my Mount Rushmore. And before we get to the end of the episode, the release of the week. Release of the week, where I like to highlight a shoe that catches my eye. It's not always hype. Rarely is it. It's just a shoe that catches my eye in the vast sea of shoes that come out every single week. And I want you, the Fire Footwear community, to know about it. So this one is not going to be hype at all, but it is a solid release and something that is absolutely perfect for your wardrobe in the fall and maybe even the winter. And if you're really good, you might actually be able to get away with using this in a more semi-formal setting and that is the Nike Dunk Low Wheats. These are not an SB release. These are just a regular Dunk release, and they release on November 3rd. This release is a monochrome release with a gum sole. I absolutely love it. There's only a few hints of color, and that's really, really dark brown on the outsole. Other than that, though, this wheat color, it's really, really crisp. It's really, really clean. I think these are contenders for heaters that are also beaters or vice versa. This is just a really solid release. It's a good affordable release. I believe they're $110. You really can't go wrong. So if you want something that's in there that's solid, that's a very go-to shoe, the Nike Dunk Low Wheat is a great, great option. So what is a sneaker icon to you? And who would be on your Mount Rushmore of sneaker icons? Get in touch with the show. At Fire Footwear Pod on Instagram is the handle to find me there. On Facebook, Fire Footwear, a sneaker podcast. On TikTok, at Fire Footwear Pod is the handle there. If you're watching on YouTube, a big thank you. If you have not, please subscribe. It always helps if you're trying to find new content and want to make sure that you're keeping up with this show in video form. For my audio listeners, I definitely love you. Definitely thank you. But if you want to get on the YouTube action, you just search Fire Footwear, a sneaker channel. And if you are listening in the audio space, Apple, Spotify, or wherever it is that you are checking out podcasts, please make sure to hit subscribe, rate, whatever is applicable for whatever app that you use. As always, please support the Matty Ice Media Network, mattyicemedia.com for all the other podcasts that we have. I hope this finds everybody well. I hope this finds everybody safe. And I will talk to you next time. This is Fire Footwear. Opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guest, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.